Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis and get used to it. Because we're going to be in this book probably the rest of the year, all right? We're beginning tonight our series in the book of Genesis as we on Wednesday nights walk through different books of the Bible. Now, this is going to be a bit different in nature because we're not going to walk through this verse by verse like we have um, the other books of the Bible. But the main reason, uh, there, are, there are other things that we're going to cover in this, in this study through the book of Genesis, but the main reason I'm doing this is because everything, the major beliefs in our lives, in our lives, comes from this book, all right? And so through, through different stories and through different events, happenings, uh, so I'm going to, it's very theological, the kind of teaching you're going to get over the, you know, the vast majority of, of, of the weeks that we talk about it. So um, it's going to be good stuff. And uh, Genesis is a marvelous book, and it's actually pre-Old Covenant. The Old Covenant didn't begin until Exodus, all right? So Genesis is really kind of a peek into what we have today, and um, just not as good, because now it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. But that's where we understand faith, that's where we understand communion, uh, that's where we understand water baptism. Where we understand speaking in tongues. So all of this is in the book of Genesis. It's a marvelous thing. So we're going to talk about these things, and uh, I'm just really excited about this series. But I, I do have to start with a joke, of course, um, just to uh, lighten you people up a little bit tonight. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but there were these three men who were arguing about whose profession was the oldest, and it was a doctor, it was a civil engineer, and a a uh, computer scientist, and the doctor said, well, I, th- I think it's pretty easy um, because when God um, created man, he made, uh, he saw that he was alone, so God actually put Adam under anesthesia and, um, and opened up his side and performed surgery by removing a rib and closing up the incision and creating a wife. So I would say that mine is the oldest profession, and the civil engineer said, ah, oh, no, no, no. But actually, before man was created, the scripture says that God brought order out of chaos when it came to the heavens and the earth. I would say that that's a spectacular application of civil engineering. The computer scientist just leaned back in his chair. Ah, but who created the chaos? Especially for you. You got time for another one? I, this isn't a Genesis joke, but my dad told me this as I was pulling into the parking lot, and I thought I would share this one with you. Bubba and Cooter were talking, and um, Bubba was upset, and he told Cooter, he said, Cooter, I'm, I think I'm going to leave my wife. He said, she hadn't talked to me in two months. Cooter said, you know, Bubba, you better think about that long and hard. It's hard to find a woman like that. <laughs> okay, let's get to the Bible now. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you now. 
And I pray what the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, and we know that that is still relevant for us today, that you would give to your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they may know the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe. Bless this time. Bless this word. We thank you, God, that your word is life to those who find it, and it is health to all of their flesh. In Jesus' name. I would say that this may be the most, probably is the most important verse in the entire book of Genesis. In the beginning, God, because if this verse is not true, then none of the rest of the story is true. In the beginning, God. Psalm chapter 90, verse 2, I just want to reference this for you in case you're taking notes. It says, before the mountains were brought forth, or one version says, before the mountains were born, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before any of this came into existence, God. He was here. Matter of fact, when Isaiah goes through a list of things to call the Christ, he calls him wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Everlasting father calls Jesus the everlasting father. Not the father God, but the everlasting father. In other words, it means actually in the literal Hebrew, the originator of eternity. Before it all was, he was. You know, earth is the only known planet in the universe with the advantages for life, the kind of life that ours has. Our planet is in what is called, they call it the, the Goldilocks zone. It's just in the perfect place in the solar system for life like ours as we know it to be teeming. Not too, it's not too close to the sun and it's not too far away. If the earth were one degree closer to the sun than it is, we would all burn up. If it were one degree further from the sun, we would all freeze. We're just in the perfect spot. If the moon was any closer or larger, the tides would destroy the coastlines. If it was any smaller or if it was further away, oceans would die from a lack of nutrient movement. If our distance from Jupiter were any greater, asteroids and comets would pepper planet Earth. If we were any closer to Jupiter, our orbit would become unstable. If Earth's surface gravity was any stronger, it retained too much ammonia and methane, and we couldn't breathe in that atmosphere. If it were any weaker, Earth's atmosphere would lose too much water, and we'd not have the liquid necessary to survive. It's just in the perfect spot. If the Earth's crust were any thicker, it would absorb too much of our oxygen, and again, we wouldn't be able to breathe. If it was any thinner, the earth would move and shake beneath our feet, and that would make life virtually impossible to live. could go on and on about the what-ifs. Understand that this ball in outer space called earth is loved by God, created by him, 25,000 miles in circumference. It's amazing the things planet earth continues after all of these thousands of years, continues to reveal mysteries, things that we just can't explain. The Mariana Trench, 
at its deepest point is 36,037 feet below. Now think about that. That's like, that's a little less than seven miles deep. The uh, Mount Everest, Mount Everest is something like 29,000, 29,026 feet, I believe it is, tall, which means the, the Mariana Trench is 4,000 something feet deeper than the height of Mount Everest. Think about that. If you turned it upside down and put it there, it was still black four, over 4,000 feet to hit the bottom. And I, I believe that God created all of that for us. He created Mount Everest to climb. He created these things for us to discover and to want to go and look beyond where we are. And, and, and he gave us space. He gave us the moon so we could land on it. Of course, Genesis doesn't say that's why he created it. It says it's to give us light in the evening. We also know what it does for our tides. And all of these things that God did, he did for you. He did for me. He put the earth here and he made us to live on this earth so that we could enjoy life on the earth and life with him. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's turn there for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 1. And verse 1, it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So it says that God made the worlds through Jesus. Verse 2 of Genesis 1 says, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. It's God who created the world through Jesus, and we'll know exactly how he did that. And there's the Spirit of God. Father, Son, and Spirit are all on the scene at creation. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. So Jesus, being the Word of God, so when God spoke, this was really Jesus, through Jesus, through the Word, spoke everything that we know into existence. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 says that by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are visible came out of the things which are invisible. Words are invisible. God is invisible and yet matter collected, matter came together through that invisible process of God speaking. Wow. Let's continue. Verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let there be what? Light. light. And there was light. light. And God saw the light that it was good. I love that. God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first. And now what was already present? Darkness, darkness was there. But God brought light. 
And God saw that what he brought, what he spoke out, was good. What's, what's interesting is, is that this is not sunlight. This is day one of creation. This is not sunlight that he brought because the sun, moon, stars were not created until the fourth day. This is light that emanates from his being. Matter of fact, it's actually Jesus. It's actually Jesus. Let me take you to another. uh, Well, actually, I'll, I'll get there in just a moment. So what is it that God created on the first day? Huh? Light. I think that's kind of interesting. I think it's a little odd that light was the only thing that was created on day one. I mean, how hard is it? I mean, he actually just spoke it, and there it was. He said, ah, that's good for today. Because when we know this is, this is his light, but why just create light? Why, why not do something else while he's at it? You know, why, why just light? Because if I go into a dark room, I don't go in there to turn the light on. That's not my purpose. I turn the light on to do something. I turn the light on to see something. I turn the light on so I don't trip and fall. It's hard enough in the light. So it's got the advantage to have the light on. Don't go turn the light on and then walk out of the room. The purpose is not to just turn the light on. The light is a tool for me to use so that I can do something. But in Genesis, it's like God enters the room specifically to just turn the light on and then, in a sense, just walk off. That's all he did on the first day. Why? Well, because turning the light on was why he came into the room. The light was the purpose that day. God wasn't just creating a world for all of us to live in and to enjoy. From the very first day of creation, what is happening here in this moment in day one is God is actually sending us all a message. What is that message that he's getting to us? Day one, light. And this, this, this would be a message that rings out for eons and eons and eons. I want to jump back over to John chapter 1 for a moment. We're going to see a little bit of comparison between Genesis 1 and John chapter 1. I want you to look, get your eyes on verse 4. Speaking of Jesus, John chapter 1 and verse 4. In him, in him, that is in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines where? In the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Why? Because the world was in darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He was the light of the world. But what did Jesus do to give us light? You've heard me say this maybe once or twice since you've been here. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That was the light. It was the message of that happening, of that event. That is the light. And in him, we're told that Jesus was life and life is our, his life is our light. Oh, this is good. It's, I think what's interesting about this, that Jesus, he died for our sins, he was buried, he rose from the grave, and when he rose from the grave, he conquered death and gave all of us hope of eternal life. It is no, I just believe it is no coincidence and it is no happenstance that our Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus rose from the dead on what day of the week? The first day of the week. The first day of the week. The light of men, hallelujah, was glorified, was risen from the dead, and by that, light has come to all of us. Day one, God says, let there be light, and he just leaves it there because he's really pointing us to his son. The real life. This light in the beginning would give us life on the earth, but the light that he ultimately wanted us to experience was the life of eternity. Day one, God creates light. He separates day from night. Let's go down a little further in Genesis chapter one. You don't get too quiet on me now. Well, I guess you can't be quiet. You're learning. Verse 6, Genesis 1, 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament, or we'll just say sky, all right? Fancy word for sky. In the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Whoa. All right, let there be a sky in the middle of the waters, and let the sky divide the waters from the waters. What the heck is he talking about? Thus God made the firmament, or the sky, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. Oh, okay. So we have water below the sky, and we have water above the sky. Do we have water above the sky right now? Mm, Nope, not there. Is the Bible not, is it wrong? So the evening and the morning were the second day. He didn't seem to be doing a whole bunch in these first couple of days. I mean, there's water. There's, there's already darkness, and there was some water because the Scripture says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So there was water there, and there was darkness, and God showed up and said, let there be light. Okay, let's take a break. All right, tomorrow we'll get up. We'll start early, and what we're going to do, we're going to put a sky in between that water. But it's a sky between the water. There's water below the sky. There's water above the sky. 
And then he says something. This is when things really begin to take shape. Verse 9, then God said, let the waters under the heavens or under the firmament or under the sky be gathered together in one place. So now we have shape. Be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas and God saw that it was good. Now he's really getting to work now. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening morning was the third day. All right, now we're making something happen. He's got the earth now. Has shown up, the water has receded, we've got vegetation everywhere. And one of the key things here in, in, this, in that por- portion of the scripture is that seed, the talk of the seed, that the seed produces after its kind. It was, a, it was a law that he set up in the very beginning, and it is still true today. The seed is still producing after its kind. And let me remind you, when God sent Jesus into the earth, the scripture said he is called the seed He's the seed of David. He was the seed of Eve. And Jesus said, even of himself, when the seed, if a grain of wheat should fall into the ground and die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And he's speaking of himself. So God sowed a seed called a son. And as a result of that, he reaped more sons. The seed produced after its kind which can assure you about exactly what God has done in your life, what God did for you in redeeming you. He didn't just bring you out of darkness. He didn't just bring you into, make you an employee in the kingdom of God. Didn't even, didn't make you a slave. He made you a son. So that you could be assured today, as sure as Jesus is a son, so are you. And as secure as he is as a son, so are you. Because the seed produces after its kind. Now, right now, it's hard to see that because you're living in this body that don't want to do anything right. But in the spirit, you're delighting in the things of God. In the spirit, your spirit wills to do the right thing because now you have a regenerated, recreated, born-again spirit that looks just like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. One spirit with him. So in in the spirit, there's no differentiation. That's extraordinary, isn't it? When you got saved, I mean you got saved. Glory to God. Big time saved. Come on, tell somebody, you look just like Jesus. You look just like him. The earth is, okay, so evening, morning, or the third day. Let's go to verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light on the earth. Why did God create the sun, moon, and stars? For you. For you. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. So God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. I, I like 
that God specifically set everything up. It says he set them there. I can just see him with his hand just putting stars in their right place. Everything just precise, just perfectly there. And to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. So the evening, morning, or the fourth day. Verse 20, then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. You know what's interesting about that Mariana Trench? That there are living beings down there. It is 1,000 times the pressure than it is where we live. You couldn't live in that atmosphere. You would just implode. But there are creatures that live there. And a 1,000 feet below sea level, once you get a 1,000 feet deep in the sea, there is no more, there is no more sunlight. It stops there at 1,000 feet. Imagine it's almost, it's 36,000 feet down. There's no sunlight. How are these things alive? They were created that way. They get their life from another source. Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. And let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying... Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea and let the birds multiply on the earth so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. We've got the earth pretty much set up now. We have the sea creatures. We have the, the air creatures. We have all the vegetation. We have land. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creatures. Aren't you Grateful for beef. <laughs> Bring forth a living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing, and the beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was everything he's seen, he's seen is good, isn't it? Then God said, let us, here it is, let us, who's us? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And look what happens. Then God blessed them. How did he bless them? He said something to them. It's like he blessed the animals. He said to them. He blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And we know that the heavens and the earth were created, and God rested on the seventh day. 
It's a marvelous, marvelous story. And I love that the Bible, the Bible is, is not a scientific book. It's not a scientific book. It's a book of the story of you and I created by God. It's just a story told. It doesn't try to explain everything scientifically. It just tells you. What I find is amazing is that science is continually proving it to be so. It's continually proving it to be so. As a matter of fact, when they found these creatures way down the Mariana Trench, they had to change some of their evolutionary thinking and, and rewrite some of their books because they said everything finds life through photosynthesis. And then they found out, oh, well, not everything. Okay, we're going to have to scratch that. Let's get a new link over here and make this work. And whenever we went to the moon in 1969, they traveled to the moon. And when the, when the, what was it called? Uh, What was the name of the ship? Come on, you people are old enough that remember. Y'all were around then, huh? No, not 11. 11 didn't make it. Huh? Oh, 13 didn't. Yeah, was, but 11, was that the first mission? Okay, 11. Sorry, yes. 11, when it landed there, you remember what it, what it looked like? It had those big pods on the bottom to land? And the reason they had those big pods, because according to their evolutionary dating, that all of this was billions of years old, and they uh, calculated that there must be so many feet of dust on the moon according to their calculations. Well, when they landed there, they found out it wasn't really all that dusty. It was about that deep, somewhere around mm, 10,000 years old. Imagine that. That's basically what the Bible teaches us. So science continually proves the Bible to be true, but the Bible isn't specifically a scientific book. It's not trying to prove itself true. It is true. It just says it as it is, and men continually prove it to be true by trying not to prove that it's true. (laughs) I love it. So, see, here's the thing about this truth. Here's the thing about the Word of God and you knowing the Word of God and speaking the Word of God. All you have to know it's true and believe it. You don't even have to know all the whys about it. God takes care of that. What God gave us was what he wanted us to know. He gave us what he wanted us to know. Now, God is going to show us things for eternity. Paul says something that continues to blow my mind as I think about it. He says that in the ages to come... He will continually reveal to us or unfold to us the riches of his grace. What does that look like? There's so much more. In other words, for eternity, just imagine, you know that funny feeling you get when you sit and try to think about eternity? You know? Like you think about it and we're going to live on and on and on and on. Because we can only think it in time. Right? And in, in the way that we live our so we think on, oh, I'm just gonna keep living and keep living. I'm never gonna die, it's never gonna end. I'm just gonna keep on and on and on and on and on. And in your mind you think, we're gonna get bored. <laughs> so we're gonna want to die eventually, won't we? Won't we just wanna just take a break from life? And uh, you know, as we know it now, sure. Thank God it's not gonna be like this. No, we're going to live on and on and on. And God is going to continue. Think about this for a moment. He's going to continue to wow us forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. 
He will continue to show us. He will continue to be our God. We'll, we'll never come to a, a knowledge where we, we know everything and we are equal with him, where we no longer worship him. There will always be his, his he will always be greater. He will always be grander. He will always know more. <laughs> That's hard to understand. And he gave us this book so that we can know what to know here on planet Earth. He gave us enough here for us to know. That's why I want us to walk through the book of Genesis and learn and learn these, these major truths, these major things that we believe to maybe help even shore up some things in your life that you're not real sure about or you wonder about. We're going we're gonna to cover those things. The next thing that we're going to talk about is the fall of man. And, and why, why we need Jesus desperately. All right? And that'll begin in verse 3. Now, we won't go through verse by verse like we did tonight. I just wanted to cover chapter 1 tonight and just remind you of this marvelous miracle called the creation story. And, let, and remind you just how special and wonderful you are as people, that you look like him. And even in this body, there's, there's his likeness. It's made after his likeness, after his Image, the scripture says. And we're made up of what? Spirit, soul, and body. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's so much about you that's like him. So that when the enemy came, see, Adam didn't get in trouble. No, he, the devil didn't mess with him until he got married. And that's when the trouble came. Because he's after and he's still after. The family. Because if he can get the family broke down, if enough families break down, then it's a chaotic society. Then it's a chaotic nation. Then it's a chaotic world. All right? Now, I understand that we're teetering on that in some respects right now as a nation. But I also believe that this is our finest hour as the people of God. To declare the truth of God's word that can penetrate the darkest of hearts the darkest places, and we come in and we turn the lights on like God did when he stepped out in that darkness. He didn't go, my God, that's me. It's dark. It is so dark out here. There's nothing that can be done here. It's just way too dark. Well, God stepped into the darkness and he changed it. He changed the atmosphere. And because you're created in his image, you have that very same power to step into situations and change the atmosphere by turning the lights on. All right? Declaring his truth. Declaring his word. Because it is the truth. It is the truth that stands generation after generation after generation. His truth never fails. His word will not return void. And because God said, now you can say. God created. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And your world, your personal world is framed by the word of God. All right? So get it in your mouth. Amen. He made you. He created. Think about it. He created you to create. The original use of words was not for conversation. It was for creation. Amen. So songwriters, write. Poets, poet. Poem. <laughs> Amen. Do not be silent. Declare his word. Father, thank you for this time together with my family tonight. Thank you. 
for the greatness of your word and for what it does for our lives, how it elevates us, Lord, how it strengthens us, how, Lord, it delivers us. As David said, your word came to me and it was like a song in the night. And you give me songs of deliverance. We thank you, Lord, for your word, that it is that very thing for us. Life, peace, and strength, help. Lord, we thank you that your word gives us the potential, Lord, to live in the anything is possible reality at all times. That we do not get persuaded by circumstances or even by what men say or think, Father God, but we are persuaded by your word and your word alone. Because your word isn't afraid of anything. Your word isn't afraid of any circumstance. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for the power that's in it, Father, that it changes things. It changes the atmosphere. It changes our lives. Lord, it was your word that came to us when we were in darkness. And, and we heard that word, Father. We, we saw the light on that said Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. And, Lord, we, we believed your word. That is, we let the light come on in our life. Lord, we saw, we know what it did for us. It, it made us new creations, Lord. And if it has that power to change our whole eternal destination, Father God, oh God, there's nothing it can't do in this natural world to those who will believe it and declare it. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for all of these sitting here tonight who are made in your image, fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous, God, are your works. Bless your people now as they go from here tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. I declare that grace and peace be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.